Welcome to 10-Minute Bible Talks, where we connect the Bible to your life and the time it takes to get to work. I'm Keith Simon. And I'm Patrick Miller. Before the episode starts, I want to invite you to a special online-only event with Keith and I. We are going to be doing a lunch Bible study on Friday, April 3rd from 12 to 12.30. We're going to do this for four weeks, actually, and we're going to be asking the question, are we living in the end times? Right now, I'm getting so many questions from people who are actually literally asking the question, you know, is coronavirus a sign of the times? Or they're just wondering, what does the Bible say about these kinds of things? There's a lot of questions, a lot of misconceptions. We're going to address those. Again, we're going to put a link to that online event right at the top of our show notes. Pause it right now. Click that link. Sign up today, and you can join us on April 3rd from 12 to 1230 and a few weeks afterwards. On this episode, Patrick and I are going to talk about some of the challenges of working at home, as well as offer some practical tips that we've developed as we've tried to work at home in these last couple weeks. Everybody who is working from home, or I shouldn't say everybody, a lot of people are in my boat. This is kind of a first. I mean, I've done everything in my power to avoid being at home whenever I work. I've got two young kids. That's incredibly distracting. But now I'm in the thick of it, and I'm trying to figure out my way through this. I think some of our first reaction is to be frustrated and to see these challenges and think, I wish I wasn't in this situation. But I think we got to check that and first just step back and say, we should be incredibly thankful if we have the opportunity to work at home. A lot of people are not in that position. A lot of people have lost their jobs or been laid off. They're wondering how they're going to get paid. If you have the opportunity to keep doing your job or even say 75% of your job at home, even if it's under difficult conditions, well, be thankful. Yeah, it's a real privilege. And that's a good thing for me to remind myself because there are so many new challenges I'm facing. I can go right into that complaining, grumbling mode. And I just tell myself, you know what? If you weren't working from home, you would be dying to be you right now. So I'm thankful for the opportunity. Before we get into some of the other challenges, I just want to make sure that we understand that God cares a lot about our work and how we do our work is really important to him. And so when we're talking about working at home, we're not talking about something that is peripheral to our Christian faith. We're not talking about something that is maybe a minor challenge. Our work life is a big part of our life, and it's part of what we're supposed to bring under the lordship of Christ. And so when we think about working at home, we need to think about it Christianly. But before we get there, let's just think through some of the challenges that we're all experiencing. Patrick, you've got the kids that you just talked about, four and two. How is that navigating it? How are you and Emily surviving that? (laughs) Maybe how aren't we surviving that? We're doing our best. We've been lucky enough to be able to find a babysitter who's able to help us out some during the day, but it's not for long periods of time. And so the challenge is we're juggling back and forth, back and forth. And even when I'm not the one who's supposed to be taking care of the kids, it's hard. You know, if I hear Oliver upstairs crying or hear Iris fighting with Emily, I feel guilty. I'm like, well, maybe I need to go up and help. And I think she feels the exact same way. So that's been a huge challenge. And I think it's challenging for the kids too, because just like us, our kids are out of their normal routine. They're used to, whether my daughter going to preschool or daycare, they're used to having (laughs) probably more stimulation than Emily and I give them in terms of my daughter's in a class and she's learning about letters and numbers. And so they're out of their routines. Emily and I are out of our routines. I mean, I've had to wake up really early every morning to get in and start working so I can get enough hours in throughout the day. And both of us are working at night. And so all those things, man, that can be really stressful. 
when classes got canceled and schools shut down, Christine showed me something a teacher posted. And she said in the post, the teacher said in the post, some parents are getting ready to find out that the teacher wasn't the problem. <laughs> and I absolutely loved that. Parents, they think their kids angels. And if there's a problem, it's the teacher's fault or it's the teacher's fault that the kids aren't learning or whatever it is. But some parents are getting ready to find out that it wasn't the teacher that was the problem. Maybe it's the little angel that lives in the house. (laughs) That's pretty good. And even if you don't have kids, there's all different kinds of temptations. I mean, for a lot of people I've talked to, they said, I feel like it's so easy for me to spend time online shopping or I've watched some TV shows on Netflix. And you don't even realize how much social pressure there is at work because you would never pull up Netflix at work and watch a show. But then all of a sudden when you're at home and you're quote unquote working, here we go. I can watch whatever I want to. Well, and I think some of that's probably due to the fact that people are stressed. We're all stressed. And so our mind starts worrying and we start coping with our stress in maybe unhealthy ways. Maybe it's trips to the refrigerator. Maybe it's online shopping. Maybe it's through distraction. I read some things about people who have worked alone and by themselves, and you might even say at home, for extended periods of time. So Scott Kelly, the astronaut that's just got back from a year in space, or the people who work at the North and South Why did he leave space? There's no coronavirus up there. (laughs) Yeah, I think it has its own challenges, but sure. And so they say there are some real consequences to working by yourself in isolation. And if we're not careful, we will experience some of those things like depression or irritability or sleep interruption. I mean, all kinds of things that we will encounter if we're not proactive and really think through this. It's amazing. It's only been a week for me, but I've already seen some of those things. For me in particular, it's probably the irritability. I've noticed that I've seemed to have a shorter fuse with my wife, with my kids, with my coworkers even. And so it's definitely a challenge and something that needs to be faced. I think another big thing that can be challenging is work conflict. Emily and I, we've both experienced it where either we or someone to us have said something over email that got misinterpreted. Someone thought, hey, you're really angry at me. Why are you so upset? Or on the flip side, it was a real conflict and I was frustrated and I wrote something down that I never would have said to someone's face. And so I think work conflict gets ramped up in the midst of this. Yeah, I think one of the best tips that I heard is just you don't want to ever handle work conflict over email, really any kind of conflict. Because in Email, you can't read a person's tone, the warmth of their voice, the body language, all that's gone. And plus, when you're behind a keyboard, we all know from personal experiences that we say things in an email that we would not say face-to-face. We lose the relational connection. So if there's any way, just pick up a phone and call somebody or Zoom, FaceTime them. Bring back that human connection when you process conflict. Yeah, I'm in a group text, and we call this getting text tone triggered. It's when someone texts something, and you take it as an insult or something offensive, but the person who sent it really had no intentions of that, and you start getting frustrated and sending an angry response, and they go, whoa, 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 we call it hashtag TTT. You're text tone triggered right now. You got to calm down. All right, so let's pull back and look at this from a biblical perspective. Earlier, I said that our work life is a really important part of our life that needs to be brought under the lordship, or you might even say the kingship of Jesus. Too many of us have this sacred secular split in our mind where we have our work life is disconnected from our faith, or at best on the periphery of our faith. But I don't think that is an accurate understanding of what God wants for our life or who Jesus is. So what if we just stopped here for a second and read Colossians 3? Here's what it says in verse 22. 
Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. So let me just pause for a second and acknowledge that this is talking about slaves, servants, in a way that probably we're uncomfortable with. We don't have time on this episode to dive into all that. We can come back, and that might be an interesting conversation another time. But you might just want to realize that these are people who have jobs employed in roles in the Roman society, much like our roles, our employment today. And what Paul is telling them is to do their job, not only when their boss is watching, but out of reverence to God. He goes on to say, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. So now remember what he's talking about is our employment. And he's saying, do it with all your heart. I mean, put effort into this as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So when we do our work from home, I think we're wrong to say that we're trying to do what our boss would want and think of just the person we report to. I think we've got to go above our boss and say that we're doing our work as God would want us to do it. We're working for God as we work in our job. He finishes by saying, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you're serving. I mean, right there is a fundamental shift. Who am I working for? And what am I working for? Am I working for a paycheck or am I working to please Christ for a heavenly reward? Am I working for my boss, my supervisor, or am I working for God? And I want to do this job in a way that brings God honor. So I do it with all my heart. I have to say that I've always found this verse profound on multiple levels. I mean, like you just said, we have to remember Paul was not a politician. He had virtually no political power. So it wasn't as though Paul could come along and say, hey, we're going to end slavery. He was simply an evangelist, and among the people who he reached out to were among the most lowly, slaves and servants. But what I love about this is that Paul, who knows he can't do anything to change their situation in this moment, nonetheless, what does Paul do? He dignifies their work. He says, even you, slaves, even you servants who might think that, okay, there's other work out there that's more important, that's a bigger deal than what I'm doing. He says, no, 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 no. Even what you're doing matters before God. Even what you're doing can be done unto God rather than being done unto your earthly master. And so there's a lot of people working from home and you think, well... (laughs) might be thought this about your job well before you're working from home. My job doesn't matter. It's not that big of a deal. I'm just filling in Excel spreadsheets or whatever it is I do. And I think Paul would say, no, there's dignity in your work, and God cares about it tremendously. So that's the big picture biblical view. But now we've got to work that out into our personal life. And specifically right now, for many of us, we've got to work that out, doing our work with excellence unto God. We've got to work it out in the context of our home. So we just need some practical advice at this point. What are some ways that we can do our job with excellence in the current situation that we find ourselves in? So Patrick and his wife Emily wrote a blog post, just 20 things that they've learned on working from home. And we've just picked a few that we want to discuss on our episode today. So Patrick, I noticed that one of the things that you and Emily wrote was about setting a schedule. That's hard to do in your home, isn't it? 
It was a huge challenge and it took us probably an hour (laughs) sitting down and trying to set it out, but it was incredibly important. So for example, one of the things I've chosen to do, I'm one of those early morning people. I can work early in the morning. I'm at my best early in the morning. And thankfully, Emily is kind of an afternoon person. She always jokes after three o'clock is when she's doing her best work. And so for us, that meant that we were able on some days to kind of divide our schedules that I started really early and worked throughout the morning. And then we traded off kid duties and she'd work more in the afternoons. And so we set a work schedule. And then on top of that, like I said, we had a babysitter, so we had to have a babysitter schedule. But having that little schedule and honoring it with each other has helped both of us be patient. It's helped both of us not compare and judge. Emily's not frustrated with me when I'm down working in the basement because she knows come a few hours, we're going to trade sides and she's going to be the one who's working while the kid is crying. And so it helps us be patient and gracious towards each other. Some people, when working at home, have a tendency to be lazy. But there's another group of us, maybe they're the overachievers who can't ever turn work off. And so then working at home becomes something that's just an obsession. They're always doing it. They're always connected. Now, that's something we struggled with before, even when we worked in our office. But now at home, there seem to be no boundaries. So how does setting a schedule help with that? I think on one level, there has to be times where you can say, okay, I'm shutting down. This is the point where I'm done working, I'm going to move on. But interestingly, I think something else that really helps a lot with that is designating a specific workspace. If you know where you go to do your work inside of your house, then when you're in that spot, you're doing your work. So Emily has one of our bedrooms and she's using that as her home office. For a while, I was relegated to our unfinished storage room, what we call the brown recluse lair. You're out of the dungeon? Well, Emily said that she was afraid I was going to get bit by a brown recluse and we couldn't Do you go- really have brown recluses in we, your house? We really do have brown recluses in our house. <laughs> Well, you just hurt the resale value of your house. <laughs> no one knows where I live. They'll never know. Today. She goes, look, you can't get bit by recluse. We can't go into the ER right now. You're going to be recluse, but an aunt are going to have coronavirus. So I ended up moving out of there into a different room. So it's probably a better setup for me anyways. But having that specific workspace, leaving my laptop in that workspace, it's kind of a way for me to say, okay, I'm going to turn it on. I'm going to turn it off whenever I leave. So let's pop back into the schedule thing for a second. One thing that Scott Kelly said about being an astronaut isolated in space for a year, one thing that they're saying that they're finding the people who work at the North and South Pole in isolation is that exercise is really important. So our schedule isn't just for work, but I think we need to think through our schedule beyond that and say, okay, when am I going to exercise? When am I going to connect with my roommate or my spouse or my kids? When am I going to do my work? When am I going to read my Bible? When are we just down chill time? Because we're all in the same space, so there's no cues of going to work, coming home. There's no cues going to school, coming home, that now our life has shifted and we're going to the next thing. We're in the same space, so we've got to be really intentional about giving ourselves permission to exercise, giving ourselves permission to work, to sleep, to divide our life up, not by our space, but by our schedule. And I think along those lines, it's really important to have time, like you said, to exercise, have time to go outside. We've been going outside actually a lot more with our kids now that we're in coronavirus season because we're just desperate to be out of the house. 
but we try to leave behind our phones. And that's kind of scheduled time every day. At the end of the day, we're going to go on a walk with our kiddos. Along the same lines, I think it's really important to have a healthy sleep schedule. It's really easy to all of a sudden you're going to bed later or you're waking up way earlier. You got to pick. This is the time I'm going to go to bed, relatively speaking. For me, it's about 930. That's when I got to get in bed, got to get going. And I think that helps a ton. Another thing maybe to set out some schedule time for is a hobby. I've heard of people who they used to play an instrument. They said, it aside and now they're picking it back up. Others who are trying to get into gourmet cooking or they want to be a mixologist. I don't know. There's I've, I've heard the funniest things that people are getting into with their hobbies. Or it's not near as exciting, but even things around the house, like taking our project, like Christine cleaned out one of our old bedrooms that had a bunch of junk in it. And I ran a lot of things to goodwill. So you could even look around your house. Is there something that you wanted to paint? maybe a room that needed some attention. Cleaning out our storage room, that's another big step for us that's looming in front of us. So if the first tip, setting a schedule, and then the second tip is designating a workspace. I just want to add in a few more quick thoughts about where you're working. Now, my wife is an interior designer, so she takes this seriously. And I actually find that if you set up your workspace well, there are benefits. A few things that we've tried to do. First of all, make sure you're not working in a room with a TV. I mean, I realize our laptops are kind of like little TVs with Netflix, but if you've got something in the room that's going to trigger you watching television, it's not going to go well. The second thing is ruthlessly eliminating distractions. So if you do have a loud setting, get some headphones and turn on some music or something that can drown out the sounds around you. Likewise, maybe change your notification settings on your phone, on your laptop, so that there are particular hours where you aren't going to be distracted. And that kind of leads into a third tip, which is I would encourage anybody who's working at home to set specific focused work hours. Say from this time to this time every day, this is when I'm going to do my most focused work. And during that time, for example, for me, it's from 9 to 11. And since I lead a team of people, I actually said for my whole team, hey, everybody, from 9 to 11, we don't email, we don't text, we don't do Slack messages. We are all doing our focused work. This is when you get your most mental, difficult tasks out of the way. But pick a time that you're freshest. For me, that's the early morning. Turn off all notifications on your devices. I turn on a sound machine in my room. I'm taking a cue from my little kids doing their naps. And it helps me just lock in for about an hour and a half to two hours to get the big tasks that I have to get done for the day finished. And why do you limit it to an hour and a half or two hours? Well, I'm sure you've maybe seen some of these studies, but they've shown that most people can stay focused on a task at a max for about an hour and a half to two hours. So that's one half of it, right? It's how long you can actually do it. But the other thing is that if you do a task, a focused task for about an hour and a half a day, studies show that you will be happier in your job. Studies show that you will feel like you accomplished something. We've all had that feeling, you know, you get home, you're like, oh my gosh, what have I done today? I've accomplished nothing today. You will stop having that feeling if you spend an hour and a half every day focused on work. I can promise it because I've been doing it for a while now and I never have that feeling anymore. So if we spend an hour and a half or some designated period of time doing something important, then we walk out of our day feeling, well, that was worthwhile. I accomplished something. I helped push the mission forward. I accomplished some important objectives. And I heard one thing that Emily said, and I completely agree, I've kind of been doing the same thing, is to end your day, your work day, by writing down some of the key objectives for the next day. 
that's something Emily got me going on because I had never did that before. But she's totally right. At the end of your day, you kind of know exactly what you need to be focusing on on the next day. And I think because we're just ready to check out, be done, it's easy once you finish that last email or text or whatever it is you have to do to just shut down and move on. But Emily stops, she pulls out a post-it note and she writes down a list of here are my tasks that I need to do tomorrow and she prioritizes them. And why it's so brilliant is that when she gets down to work, she doesn't have that moment where you're like, oh shoot, what am I supposed to do today? And the problem isn't that you don't have anything to do. You have plenty of things to do. You just can't remember what they are. And so you end up spending your first 15 or 30 minutes of work just trying to figure out what you should be working on. So I've started trying to do that. I've got a little note on my phone where I'll just make a list of here are the first things I need to do when I wake up in the morning. Yeah, I think that's great because like you, I too am an early morning person. And the last thing I want to do is waste my best time trying to figure out what to do. I want to hit the ground running. So we all are living in a world with even more and more distractions. And unfortunately, I am very distractible. In other words, my mind can wander and I can just lose energy. I can get to a hard part of my task and think I want to step up and think I want to get up and walk around and go get something to eat or whatever. And that's true at home or in the office, unfortunately. Any thoughts or advice that you and Emily have for people like me who are easily distracted? For me, and Emily does it somewhat differently, what I like to do whenever I've got some difficult work in front of me that I don't want to do. And by the way, I think you just hit the nail on the head. The way to know that you don't want to do difficult work is that you start doing what I call cheap work instead, right? It's like, I know I've got this hard thing, but there are 15 emails right now for me to answer. And when I do the 15 emails, I get to check off 15 boxes. I get to feel like I've accomplished something, but it's actually cheap work. It's not hard work. It's work you should be doing at your worst part of the day because it doesn't require any mental capacity. So if you're in that situation, you know you should be doing something. What I do is I pull out my phone and I set a five-minute timer. And I say, I'm just going to do this thing for five minutes. And at the end of the five minutes, if I want to stop, I'm free to stop, no guilt. But if I want to keep going, I can keep going. And the remarkable thing is I found usually, and this is true for most people, I keep going. Getting going is the hardest thing. Emily kind of goes the opposite end. She likes incentivizing. So she'll, she'll say, hey, if I finish this task, I'll go get a little dove dark chocolate. I'll give myself a little prize at the end of the road. So if that's you, maybe you say, okay, I want X and I get it once I finish the task. I love the idea of Emily sitting at her desk at home, eating dark chocolate, drinking wine because she (laughs) accomplished her objective. If it were me, I'd set some really small goals so that I could hit those all the time. I love it. (laughs) I agree completely with the whole cheap work thing. I think that we unfortunately settle for doing things that are easy. And that's part of the reason we don't really like our job. And it's one of the reasons that we don't see much accomplished. I think we've got to identify the objectives that matter. Why did people hire me to do this job? They didn't hire me to do this job to send emails. They hired me to do this job because I have some skills that can push this business forward. And that's what I want to spend the bulk, not all, but the bulk of my time doing. That's really good. Another thing Emily and I have been trying to do is getting dressed for the day, which sounds silly, but I I know that a lot of people are working in their PJs right now. I had a buddy who back in high school would show up to the ACT in a suit. And I remember going with him and everybody's just laying into him. What are you doing? You're wearing a suit to the ACT. Well, we were laying into him until he got his scores back. And you want to guess who had the highest score? 
suit guy. Suit boy. (laughs) He did. And obviously he studied, he worked, dressing didn't make him get a great ACT score. But that said, I do think the way we dress affects how we work. So I'm putting pants on every day. I'm wearing a button up every day. I'm trying to... Too much information. I didn't need to know you put pants (laughs) on. Well, some people aren't working. I just assumed you put pants on every day. (laughs) You shouldn't assume that because there's plenty of people not working in pants today. Yeah, I think this dressing for the day is bigger than we might first think because we're working at home. So we're not in a normal routine. We don't have the cues to our brain that we're now in our office. We don't have that social pressure. So we've got to send some cues to ourselves that this is work time. And that goes back to the designated workspace. I sit here when I do my work. I don't sit here when I watch Netflix or shop online or whatever else that is fine to do, but not during work time. And one of the visual cues that we send ourselves is that we are now dressed for work. This is how I dress when I go to work. This is where I sit when I go to work. It's now time to work. And all of those things train our mind, our body, to think about work stuff and to do work stuff. So they may seem simple. They may seem like that's not that big of a deal how you dress, but it might be a bigger deal than you think. One last tip before we sign off here, and we already alluded to this, and that would be use video over email and over text messages. I think this is a huge thing that everybody's going to have to learn super quick. I completely agree, Patrick. I mean, you and I have experienced this ourselves. When we shared an office and now when we can't be in the office together, we sometimes rely too much on email. And you and I exchange an incredible number of emails. And to try to go back and find an idea, it takes a long time to sift through it all. So we've tried to change and not rely so much on email, but instead in person or in this situation, FaceTime conversations. If you have any power over your communication, one thing I would encourage is to try to limit the amount of texts and emails you're sending and receiving. Now, obviously, that's maybe a choice that some people don't get to make, but you will find if you send less texts, you get less texts. If you send less emails, you get less emails. A great little thing you can do is have a pen and paper next to your laptop. And anytime you've got a question that you want to ask someone, just write it down on the piece of paper and wait until your next meeting or maybe set up a video call with that person later in the day. And don't send the text, don't send the email, save it for the conversation and share it with them then. More frequent phone calls, more frequent FaceTime conversations. What they do is a couple things. One is you solve problems quicker. And two, you don't interrupt each other. Because remember, we've all seen the research that every time you get an email or a text, every time your phone dings or buzzes or whatever it does on your phone, that causes your brain to switch out of work mode, project mode, thinking about this mode into a different sphere. And it takes a long time to get it back, longer than you and I think. So you and I can think we're exceptions to the rule. I mean, I for sure do. I like, oh, it doesn't take me that long to get refocused. But I doubt I'm an exception to the rule. I probably am more like the rule than I care to admit. And if we're always being distracted by emails, then we can't do that focused work Patrick talks about. So just again, remind yourself to collect the questions, collect the issues that you need to talk about. And maybe it's a daily FaceTime conversation for 15 minutes. Maybe it's weekly. It'll depend on your team and how you guys work and how often you need to communicate. But that goes a long way to making your work more productive and just, to be honest, more enjoyable and less time sifting through emails, which I absolutely hate. 
my version of hell is just sitting on a unending inbox where I have to continually type in email after email. So we've gone through seven tips here. We have a blog where we go through 20 tips for working at home, and we'll link to that in the show notes. But really quick, here are our tips. Set a schedule, designate a workspace, find focused hours to work, write down your priorities for the next day at the end of the day, use a five-minute timer or incentive to get through those challenging tasks, get dressed for the day, and choose to use video over email. I realize these might not work or help everybody, but I hope if you're working at home and you've got a privilege to be working at home, that these will help you obey Colossians 3, 22 to 23, which is that we aren't working for our boss. We aren't even working for ourselves. We are working for the Lord. And that means doing our work with excellence. It really matters because we know who our boss is. It's Jesus. And we're working not for the paycheck. We're working for a reward from him, a heavenly reward. And so I hope that changes your mindset over these coming weeks as you're at home. Also, don't forget to sign up for our online Zoom Bible study, Friday, April 3rd from 12 to 1230. Are we living in the end times? We're going to talk about questions people are asking right now and a lot of the misconceptions that come along with those things. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this content, please subscribe and give us a rating. That helps other people find this podcast more easily. Also, ask yourself, who could you share this podcast with? Texting an episode to a friend or a family member is a great way to help them grow spiritually. If you want to go deeper, check out our show notes for book recommendations.